Blog Talk Radio. This is Creativity in Play. I'm Steve Dahlberg with my co-host Mary Alice Long. Our guest today on Creativity in Play is Amina Brown, poet, speaker, and journalist. She's the author of a chapbook and two spoken word CDs and hosts a regular open mic in Atlanta at Urban Grind Coffee. Amina performed in the 2008 National Poetry Slam competition and last month participated in the Creativity World Forum in Oklahoma City where she performed her poem, Be the One. Let's listen to that here. We stand. Many minds, backgrounds, and voices, but one heart. Accepting the charge to lead, to follow, to influence, build community, do more than succeed. We want to be significant, leave an imprint, and this matters more than financial bottom line. This is about the longer-lasting, life-impacting currency of time. And you will not merely go along or go gently with mediocrity or how things have always been. You want to forge paths and create new ways. Yes, change starts here. Starts small, wants to grow tall, but needs hands, feet, needs you, needs me, as we are all rushing to become something great, something bigger, something better. We want to be go-getters, and sometimes in this pursuit, we lose track of our goal. Assuming accolades and getting paid will make us whole, but things Leave us empty. In a world of complicated connections, it's hard to live simply. We are simply searching. Except the more we're hoping for is hard to grasp, intangible. Will the little we think we can do be substantial? This is an opportunity to live out of the box Think past the cubicle, and there are only a few seconds left on the clock. In between your palms, you hold the ball, and you've got a clear shot. Except here, we're not talking courtside. Layup, rebound a three-point line, your place to score. May exist in a boardroom, home, community, on assembly line, in the field, one client at a time, and you've got your team, each one playing their position. But here... Winning is not about the success of a system, not about points, prize, percentage, score, not just about doing, but about being more. The number one never gets its just due. One seems lonely, so we try to make it two, but one gets things started. One snowflake can start an avalanche. A single seed births a tree. The phrase change begins with me. It's more than a cliche. It's a mantra. Let's make it a reality. What will begin with you? Who will you become? Imagine the change you could see in the world if only you would be the one. Amina Brown, welcome to Creativity and Play. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Great to hear that poem again after hearing it last month with you in Oklahoma City. So picking up on the theme of that poem, what is creativity to you? Beyond what you just shared with us in that poem. Right, right. Um, I think creativity to me is always an invitation to be challenged and to 
think of how to do something better or in a fresher way. Um, I've always heard people say, people that have, you know, organizational gifts, they'll say, you know, they like to bring order to chaos. And I think if you're into creativity, if you're a creative person, you like to bring fresh thinking to what's monotonous and what's boring. So I, I think for me, creativity is always just how can I be challenged to to do more and to be more and to do things differently. Good morning, Amina. Good morning. I wonder how you came to writing poetry in your life. What was what's the history behind that? Personal history. Um, my mom it was and still is a big reader when I was growing up and so I just, you know, grew up kind of looking at all these different books in her library and really becoming just fascinated with what it meant to be a writer and to be an author early on as a child. So I think by the time I was 12, I was actually writing poetry on my own, you know, in my little notebook. I think I had a steno pad <laughs> at that time. Huh. And I was just kind of, you know, scribbling in there on the side, outside of school. And My mom's just been a really big encouragement to me. It's really because of her that I'm even performing poetry today because she stumbled upon one of my notebooks and read it because my mom is that kind of mother, you know. She was going to read anything that you left around. There was no privacy going on. But in this case, it was really good because she read it and she told me she thought that what I was writing was good and that I should keep doing that. And so that that encouraged me to eventually get up enough confidence to perform. And I know you reading. take your poetry... I know you take your poetry into some unexpected places. How how does that look? And can you tell us about one of those odd places you might have taken or seemingly odd places you might have taken your poetry? Oh, wow. Uh there I, I guess when you're when you're doing any type of creative work, it typically does send you sometimes into a room where you're like, Oh, how did I end up here? Are they sure that I should be <laughs> here as a part of this? But um, I, w- I would definitely say just in in a lot of church and faith-based environments, that was a big surprise to me. I started performing poetry in, you know, hole-in-the-wall coffee places here in Atlanta, so I had no idea that it would be as well-received as it has been uh, in those environments. And uh, even in, in some kind of business professional environment, even at, at a place like the Creativity World Forum, although it is uh, it was a forum on creativity, uh, you know, to actually be able to see art there also and to not just talk in theory about creativity. I I would say um I would say church is, is probably <laughs> one of one of the one of the odder places maybe. And also for me as a poet I I definitely have ended up doing poet poetry performance in some music environments where I might be the only poet that's there. And I mean I, I love to sing. I just don't think other people like we do that, so to try and kind of mix in poetry with hip hop music, with jazz music, it's always interesting to see just the different sensibilities that artists have when they come together. I'd say those those have been a couple of them. Thank you. I was reading last night a, a piece from uh, a poetry event this summer in Connecticut, and one of the local journalist who I think participated or hosted the event uh, was quoted as saying, we think we don't need poetry until we do. And it, it just made me think about 
um, your poem again and, and some of the things you've talked about and just wondering why you think we need poetry. Wow, that's a great question. I I think for me, words just really fuel me. And poetry has such a different way of expressing its message. You could take that same message and hear someone do a talk on it. You could, you know, read an article about it. However, but when you hear that in a poem, it really transcends culture and generation. And I think that's one reason that we need poetry, because poetry gives us permission to play around with words, to play around with their structure, and and to not have to adhere necessarily to sentence and paragraph. Or you can, you know, adhere to that and adhere to punctuation. I think it, it reminds us that we can bend the rules sometimes, which kind of, you know, of course, you know, which I'm sure you guys talk about on the show all the time, just goes back to that part of us as kids that really enjoyed, you know, kind of playing around with things and, and making up our own rules. And, and I think that's why we need poetry, because it reminds us that life is not uh, all segmented and in its neat little box, that we can begin a line and go to the next line without even finishing our thought just yet, you know. Well, I mean, uh, I also have um, often asked myself and uh, the question what about why I write, and I've read other essays about different writers and their answer to why they write, and I wonder what you would say to that. Why do you write? You know, writing is a really funny thing because I love it so much, and yet, and I'm sure other writers would say this too, and yet when I'm under deadline for something, I've got to, you know, work on finishing a piece. Sometimes I'm, you know, commissioned to write pieces specifically for events, and I procrastinate. I just do everything in this world except sit down and actually write the, the piece or the article that I need to finish and so I just think our relationship as writers to writing is just so interesting because there's always that, you know, kind of push and pull for me, you know, where I'm like, oh, I, I, I love it once I sit down to do it. But getting myself to finally stop procrastinating and sit down to do it is just a, a crazy journey, really. But I, I think I find one of the reasons that I write is because I have to. If I don't, I feel clogged. I feel, you know, just kind of blocked in a way. And so at some point, I am sent to that blank page or to that blinking cursor, and I I have to get the words out. I have to say, even if it's something that I'm writing that no one is ever going to read. After a while, it's just like, oh, the words get built up, and I have to write so that I can kind of get my thoughts out and make sense of what I'm thinking and feeling out, you know, that's just outside of whatever other professional thing. So I think that even though it is this really weird existence, sometimes I, I really write because if I don't, I, I will feel the difference. Like how some people are like, Oh, if I don't go to the gym, if I don't drink however much, you know, water I drink in a day, they can feel the difference in their own body. Like that's how I am with writing. I can feel the difference in my soul, I would say, you know, in my emotions and, in my thoughts when I haven't written. I think poetry, for people who feel perhaps that they're not writers, they're not poets, 
um, that they can't do this um, can can be a way when we're led into that process through poets like yourself, Mary Alice, I know also writes and, and leads people in such activities as well. Can you talk a little bit about how poetry can really help us tap into the creative process in a broader sense, whether or not we're trying to be writers or poets, but really using it as a tool toward creativity? Yeah, I think one, one if I can use like an exercise as an example, I guess, and I'm sure there are other forms of art that kind of have a similar exercise, but I know one thing that I started doing years ago before I write, I still do today, uh, which is just a free write, which a lot of us, you know, did in school. That's an activity that I, you know, have incorporated into workshops that I've done, and I encourage people in business environments to try. It's something that, that I do as a writer to kind of get my brain into the mode of, of thinking creatively and and of being able to say something and not be edited. And so, you know, I I always encourage that activity. Of course, when I first started doing a free write, I would, you know, kind of have a prompt or something that maybe I read in a book or, you know, or just some kind of, you know, think about your six-year-old self and, you you know, you have like 10 minutes that you write from the voice of your six-year-old self. Now I just will go to the page before I start writing anything. I just go to a page and just start typing things. And I think um, I've seen the process of that really work for people that consider themselves to be creative and for, for many people that don't. Because a lot of times just in life and especially in, in work environments, we just don't have a place where we can kind of start a process of thinking and not be concerned with if it's stupid or if it works, or what other people will think about it. And I think just that beginning process of what, you know, in a poet's world eventually becomes a poem, is to come to a page or for a painter to come to a canvas and just start and write. And in the end, then, you know, of course, depending on the room you're in, it can also be a great place for sharing, which as a performance poet, I also love that open mic community that we have to have a place where you can share what you've written or what you've come up with, and it is not to applaud your performance. It is to applaud your sharing. And so I think uh, I think those two things, the, the free write, for example, and also just the lessons we learn from the open mic, I think that creates something that you can use in a lot of different environments to give people voice and to give people the freedom to say even if what they are saying turns out to not be for public consumption, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, Amina, what do you, what, I know uh, as a writer, my critic comes up frequently to talk to me. And so I have ways to talk and converse with my critic. What? How do you talk and what do you say to your critic when that comes up? Oh, gosh. That's a good question, Mary Alice. I, I would love for us to talk more about that. <laughs> Maybe you can as well because that is a a difficult one, you know. Like just just recently, I've just in the last month or so, I've had uh, quite a few assignments and things, you know, more deadline oriented type writing. And so, oh gosh, I think that's one of the things that really makes writers procrastinate is that just that inner critical voice there, you know, that's just like whatever you write is gonna suck. So don't write it. Go vacuum or whatever it is that you're going to do to correct yourself, you know. And so I think I think one thing, the free writing before I start 
really helps me to kind of get some of those fears out that kind of come creeping up, you know. And I'll tell my friends that my my thoughts are like, you know, students in the classroom and, you know, I'm their teacher. And some days I have a really good control of my classroom and some days I just don't, you know. My thoughts are running around like bad kids, you know. So I think the free write before I start writing really helps me to just get off my chest things that I might be walking into the writing moment with. You know, they could be emotions, they could be fears. Sometimes I'll list them and then look at them and go, that is absolutely crazy. Or some of that that you're afraid of, you just can't control it. So please start writing and <laughs> stop worrying about that. So I think the, the free writing is definitely uh, one of the things that helps me kind of conquer that inner critic. Sometimes, you know, and I, I know I'm, I'm a big fan of Stephen King's on writing, and, of course, he talks about how you should write with the door closed and then you revise with the door open. But sometimes, depending on where I am in the process, if I'm really beating my head up against the wall over a piece, I just have to go to somebody else and get fresh eyes on it, get some fresh perspective, and at least hear them tell me it doesn't suck. Or, you know, if it does, <laughs> then they can tell me that, and I kind of have some place to go. So I feel like kind of involving my community on that helps and definitely giving myself the chance to get some of those thoughts out beforehand. Those are those are my couple of things, Mary Alice. <laughs> Thank you very much. I um, shared a poem with you earlier uh, from uh, Rope Dalton called "Like You," and there's a line in that poem uh, which says, "Poetry like bread is for everyone," and that's a line that Curbstone Press, which was a small independent publishing company here in Connecticut, actually used as their tagline. And if you have it with you. Would you share that poem with us? Sure, I'd love to. Like you, I love, love life. The sweet smell of things. The sky blue landscape of January days. And my blood boils up. And I laugh through eyes that have known the buds of tears. I believe the world is beautiful. And that poetry, like bread, is for everyone. And that my veins don't end in me, but in the unanimous blood of those who struggle for life, love, little things, landscape, and bread, the poetry of everyone. Thank you again. That was um, Like You, which is a poem by Rope Dalton. And again, that line about poetry like bread is for everyone, you, you've talked about already uh, some of the work that you've done um, beyond um, your own poetry and in, in working with um, corporate people in faith communities. Uh, I think you do work with students as well. So really looking at this idea of poetry for everyone. And you, you've also talked about an interest in, in sort of building artistic community. And I wonder if you can sort of link those ideas together of, of trying to share poetry with everyone and for everyone while sort of building community through that process. Yeah, I think, you know, I think in general just community among artists is is important to me and even more so now just becoming a full-time artist, sometimes starving artist. <laughs> At least you feel like that, you know, when you first started pursuing things. But I think that community just personally has become very important to me 
to have other artists as my community and to have a community of support in what I'm doing. But in my travels, I'm also meeting a lot of people that are leaders in organizations or in companies, and they are leading a team of creative people or creative thinkers. And there are lots of questions about how to do that, especially if I happen to be a left-brain person who doesn't consider myself to be artistic at all, and I'm trying to help lead this team of people that are coming up with all the ideas and and how to really (laughs) lead people who can, as artistic people, be flighty and and can be uh, very egocentric, et cetera, all those things you deal with when you're dealing with artists. And so I I think there is just, in general, a lot of talk, it seems to be globally, about just how much more creativity is valued in so many different environments now in the marketplace, in, in the faith-based community, in nonprofit, and uh, in the arts world as well. But how how to kind of not look at creativity like it only belongs to these certain people, but how can we all kind of harness that? You know, even when I was at the Creativity World Forum and we were, you know, on the panel kind of talking about creativity in the workplace and one of the gentlemen on the panel was in engineering and he kept saying backstage, I I really don't know why they asked me (laughs) to be on this panel. I'm not, I'm not, you know, a creative thinker. I don't do that. And I said, well, engineering is actually a very creative field. You know, you may not be painting or ballet dancing, but you're coming up with ideas of how to make things work better, of how to put systems together, and that is creativity also. So I think a big part of poetry or creativity being for everyone is to say that it doesn't have to look like the one thing that we may have always kind of defined creativity uh, to look like. Creativity can be art, but it can be more than art. And there are many people who consider themselves to be left-brainers that are very creative people. So I think a part of that, just redefining that and making those connections cross-pollinating across, you know, just different fields and industries, I think is just really important. It's beautiful to see it happening now, and I think the more the future goes on, we'll see that even more. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I mean, uh, with that in mind, I'm thinking about, um, you know, I really love interdisciplinary action and I in creativity and I love the you know, the finding of the blend between art and science and one of the things I find is that if you can drop down a notch into love mm. into your heart then that makes a tremendous difference no matter what angle you're coming from and no matter what you're doing in the world and I wonder how that idea of dropping down into love in your heart matches up with your idea of individual change and going beyond doing that came out of your poem. I love the way you worded that. And it reminds me of uh, talking with another writer friend of mine a couple of years ago, and we were talking about how, you know, our, our goal is to not only write honestly, but to live honestly. And I think that really speaks to just how beautifully you express that idea of just when you can live and write honestly or just do whatever it is you're doing honestly, what it does is it brings you to this very genuine place. And then you can connect better with other people because 
we connect with each other in this, you know, very human way, you know, when we can see each other's faults and, and hear each other's hearts, you know, that, that really connects to me to just this idea of love and that to love starts with completely being yourself, completely being who you are and being honest about that. And so I think that is just a, a beautiful idea. And, you know, to the to the point of the poem, it's something, it's not something that we can have legislature to help us love. <laughs> you know, we cannot look for policy to change that. That's something that each of us in our own lives, in our person-to-person interactions, in our own values have to decide to do. But when we do, it does create just this openness, this ability to approach life humbly and uh, to be teachable and to expect that when you meet people, you know, when you approach life from that kind of heart, you're always in a space where you can learn, and that just creates much more room for conversation and and collaboration as well. Thank you. And who are a couple of your favorite poets? Wow. Um, I love Sonia Sanchez and Nikki Giovanni. They are just two of my favorite poets of all time. I Anytime I can pick up a book of theirs and just, want to go write better, you know, after having read it. Mm. Um, I also really fell in love with William Carlos Williams in college and still love his work, uh, something about just the way uh, he just structured his stanzas and just the way he chose to put the different words on the line. I very much love his work. Um, I was trying to think if there are any. Those are probably my top three that I really just absolutely love their work, I'd say. Thank you. I invite our read, our, our listeners to uh, read and to voice some of those poets, including in your own poems as well. In the last uh, minute or so we have remaining, I, I saw that you had a, a piece about the artist dance and taking dance lessons. And uh, we we talked a lot about play and movement in in several of our interviews, and um, just struck me about the connection that that is there between dancing and moving or uh, and poetry. And just if you would perhaps think about that connection and, and comment on it. Yeah, I I have this you know, kind of part of my creative process is I, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier with just the idea of creativity being challenging. But every once in a while I have to kind of get out of my comfort zone and I'm I'm a big words lover and a big music lover too. So those are probably the two types of art I engage with most. But I said to myself, oh, I never, I never do anything that involves movement. You know, I should try this. And it turned out to be this very interesting moment. First of all, of you kind of walking into something that you're you're having to learn how to do something completely different. Typically as a poet in performance, I would be just standing at the mic or standing there on stage talking versus when you're dancing, no talking and having to really express yourself in movement. And it just taught me so much about life. And so much about uh, connecting with people better and that in life to to do something well takes practice. 
and takes being around other people that can challenge you. And that's one thing that uh, dancing salsa, I was also learning how to dance uh, swing and cha-cha at the time. I don't advocate necessarily that at the same time. But I do advocate it as just you learning to kind of open yourself up to something and to meeting new people and to really learning from other people because you cannot really learn how to dance well, those types of dances by yourself. You need a partner, and I think that just speaks to creativity being something that is not meant to be done on an island. It is meant to be a collaborative process. So I'm glad you reminded me about that, Steve, so I can get back on the dance floor. (laughs) Well, Amina, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's been really great talking with you guys. It's great talking to you, Amina. Amina Brown is a poet, speaker, and journalist, and you can listen to this show and previous shows again and find more information about our guests and coming shows at creativityandplay.com. Creativity and Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination, partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Ellis Long. Thank you for joining us.